Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon.
Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king comes to you. He is righteous and having salvation. He is humble and is riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be taken away, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His kingdom will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the ball was thrown in. The guard on the basketball team started dribbling down. There was only seconds left on the, on the clock. He was coming to the halfway line, and it was the buzzard was just about ready to go off, and he launches the ball. And when the ball, everyone's watching it, coming into the air. It looks like it's a perfect shot. Is it going to hit it? Remember, the basket is not that big. And all of a sudden, swish, it goes right through. And the crowd says nothing. Everyone goes home. The game's over. You don't realize or believe for one minute that that's not even realistic. In fact, it just happened in the game yesterday in the Final Four. Last second shot, and it went in. The crowd went crazy. Oh, those that were not in favor of that team certainly were disgusted as they marched off, probably shouting other things. But, oh, did people rejoice. They made their cheer loud. I bet it was deafening to be in that stadium. It is a dream of so many basketball players to be that player who wins the game in the final shot before the buzzer goes off. Shout, rejoice, the prophet Zechariah writes. And he's writing through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are the words that the Lord wants the people to hear. And this is the people of Israel. But when it comes to shouting and rejoicing, it's not that he's talking about some game. Instead, he's talking about life. And when it comes to shouting and rejoicing, keep in mind who is really the most important one in your life. It's your king. And what is the most important message? His message of peace. To understand these two verses that are before us, we need to keep in mind a little bit of the background. It's been about 70 years since Israel has been in captivity. And now a small group, they had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar into uh, Babylon. Many people made a home there, and when after the 70 years of captivity ended, People were finally allowed to go back, and the majority of the Israelites did not go back. They had already made a home and raised their family there. Many stayed. It was only a small remnant that returned. And when that small group came back, they saw what Nebuchadnezzar had done. He destroyed the city walls. The temple was leveled. There was no home to come back to. Everything would have to be rebuilt. 
oh, they started working on the wall, but then you had, you had the enemies to the north that were, one, that were threatening to attack them. These enemies to the north didn't want them to return and establish themselves as a kingdom, even if it would be under now Persian rule. So Nehemiah, who was the governor at the time, Half the group would hold weapons, the other half would hold tools, and they would stand at the wall, always ready for an attack as they worked on the wall. God kept calling for them to rebuild the temple, and along with it, worship. It's now been 14 years, and the temple still has not been built. It wasn't just because of the enemies to the north, it was also because of indifference and apathy. The people were terribly discouraged. So God called in Zechariah, and along with him his contemporary Haggai, and the two prophets would, would work to motivate the people in rebuilding the temple. But that wasn't the only thing they were motivating. They were also working on rebuilding the people's hearts. And there was only one way to rebuild that. That was by the gospel, literally the good news. This good news is certainly seen in the beautiful words that open this text. When it says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, shout to daughter of Jerusalem. Notice God doesn't have Zechariah replay, you good for nothing, you lazy Guys, why don't you get up and do it? Don't you realize I could destroy you? He didn't motivate them by the law, but he called them daughters of Zion, daughters of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital city. Zion was the hill in Jerusalem upon which the temple is built. To call them daughters of Zion, daughters of Jerusalem is no different than when God, we hear by the apostle Paul, calling us children of God, children of the Father. This is a beautiful term of endearment. He's calling these, 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 this remnant as his very own. And these are the believers. But at the heart of this good news, the reason why the, these beautiful terms to describe them is all summed up in this. The king is coming. Look, you're going to see him with your own eyes. The king is coming. And he will be like a he will be like a king like no other. Because he will be a king, it says here, who is righteous. He is right, he is holy, he is perfect, he is actually without sin. No other king can claim that because every other king is by nature sinful. He inherited a sinful nature. And when it comes to that sinful nature, he has inherited the desire to be selfish in everything he does. But not this king. This king is righteous. And he brings salvation. He himself, just being perfect and holy, certainly has salvation. But keep in mind what the prophet Isaiah had written concerning the virgin birth of our Savior. He spoke of him also as a king who would rule with 
righteousness and justice. The two things needed for us to be saved, and this king would come and bring that. We needed righteousness, and, and we needed to be perfect and holy in order to go to heaven. But because we're sinners, we're not perfect and holy. We need a Savior who would be perfect and holy, and his perfection would count for us. And through faith in him, it does. We needed a Savior who would satisfy the demands for justice because the punishment of sin is death. Once again, this is not a punishment you and I can make and live. We needed a Savior who would make it for us and conquer death once and for all. And through faith in him, that justice is ours. The punishment has been made. We live with the forgiveness of sins. We live with the hope of everlasting life. This is your king, who is also described as humble. Humble, certainly, in the sense that he rides in on the foal of a donkey. Interesting that that's being emphasized. See, riding in on a donkey, well, that certainly had to remind anyone that that was the royal animal of David. But to ride on the foal of a donkey and to come in such humility... These are not the characteristics of a king. You need a king, you need a leader to be strong and mighty, and a king that shows people he's mighty. That way they don't mess with us. But a king who is humble, who puts other people's interests even above his own, is the very one who gave his life, his perfect life, for the sins of the world. He was humble and obedient even unto death, death on a cross. These words are fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, they're quoted in the Gospel of Matthew. These very words pointing to Jesus when he rode in on that baby donkey into Jerusalem. The people put their cloaks down. They put the palm branches down. That animal didn't have to touch dirt. It was being given the royal treatment, and they gave Jesus the royal treatment. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And they kept shouting it. My friends, we too join in shouting greatly and rejoicing that Jesus is our very King and our very Savior King. By the way, there's one set of words that I have not made comments on. And when I went to the seminary, they always say, make sure to watch the smallest words because those always have the biggest impact. And in this case, the words are to you. A king is coming to you, not only to be seen by you, but those very words to you in the original Hebrew language can definitely be translated for you, for you in the sense of 
He's coming in your behalf. He's coming to take your place. He's coming to be your substitute. He's coming to do what none of us can do and to do it all for our salvation. He did this purely by his grace and mercy because we have to confess we do not deserve his love. But motivated by undeserved love and mercy, he did everything necessary so we can say heaven is our home. And yes, because Jesus is our king. To sum up the entire gospel, the prophet Zechariah summed it up basically in one word, peace. This too we rejoice and give thanks because this peace is the very thing that our precious souls need. This is the peace that our precious souls hope for. This is the peace that our precious souls can't live without. And notice how he describes peace. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be taken away. Notice a change in the pronoun. Now it's the king speaking. This is what he promises. This is what he will do. Keep in mind that peace is not just that there's an end of war, but peace also means that the enemy can't threaten you anymore. The battle bow, the horse, the chariot, these things are no longer needed. So when Zechariah writes, see your king is coming, he's not just pointing to Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he's also pointing to judgment day itself. Because when the Lord comes, our king, we will see him also with our own eyes. He will come with the holy angels and take us and all believers to the glories of heaven. And there, no more need for a chariot, a battle bull, or even a horse. No more need for war. Because the enemy cannot hurt us anymore, being sin, death, and the devil. This is why we rejoice. This is why we yearn, knowing that heaven is our home. But until that day, it says here, he will proclaim peace to the nations. And it was our Lord who ascended back into heaven, who called each and every one of us, his disciples, to go and proclaim that message of peace and hope in Jesus Christ alone. In fact, his kingdom will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. The river here is, is always a term used in the Old Testament to refer to the Euphrates. Many believe it refers to the Jordan, but it's interesting in the Old Testament, the Jordan was never called the river. It was always simply called Jordan. But Euphrates was always called the river. So from Euphrates, where many of the Jews were still living, to the ends of the earth, which means this is a message for all, for this Savior is for all. And his kingdom will not be found on a map. It will not be, it will not be there by military might. It will not hold control by military might. It is just a kingdom where Christ rules in our hearts by his holy word. We are his kingdom. 
And therefore, when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying that Christ rules more people's hearts, that they too join the family of God, which is only through faith in Jesus Christ, our King. Shout! Rejoice greatly, Zechariah writes, and he's writing to people who are discouraged, who feel crushed, who are feeling indifferent and apathetic, who have no motivation to even continue, let alone let's go build the temple. And yet he tells them where their hope is found. He tells them where their strength is. He tells them where they need to always be looking not to themselves, but to the very one who has saved their very selves. And this is our message that we too need to hear today. Oh, there's all kinds of talk going on. I don't know how much you're listening. Talk about the end of democracy. America is a banana republic. We're hearing all this talk going on. Yes, talk with finances and, and all this stuff going on. Is there going to be a future here? What's going to happen? I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I do know who holds the future. It is our king. And I do know one thing for certain, that no matter how discouraging things may seem, no matter how overwhelming people are complaining and 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 focusing as, as they focus on themselves. And all I know is we have hope. We have peace. We have Jesus Christ. And this is why he is the most important king and the most important one in our lives. And along with it, his message of peace. Rejoice and shout aloud, Jesus is your King. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.